opportunity to come before your throne. We will receive your mercy. We will receive grace so that we can do the things that you want us to do in this life. It's so wonderful for your unmerited favor. There's no way we can earn what you place in our lives. That's the best part about it, Father. It's just there for us. So we thank you, Lord, for your matchless grace. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So um, this month in the um, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, the these stories are from Iran. And uh, it's very, very uh, interesting that these should come up now because the Iranian people are really in a place now where they are standing up for human rights in that nation where they were extremely oppressed before. There were many countries in the world that were encouraging the oppression. But now we see the people rising up and demanding certain things to be lifted off their lives, restrictions to come off of their lives. And so many nations now that are freedom-loving nations are encouraging that, our nation being one of those, and uh, backing the Iranian people. Uh, It's one thing to have a government that encourages you, but when you have a government that's oppressing you, uh, that's a terrible thing. And so uh, some of the things that are coming through now uh, for the Iranian people have to do with them getting more uh, freedom, getting more uh, rights, especially for women to receive education, greater education and things of that nature uh, for their children. And so uh, as well, Christianity uh, is often persecuted there. So we're going to uh, take a little journey uh in uh, Iran I was looking through here I was wondering I said did I read this already I forgot Coco's been sleeping on it for about <laughs> my dog slept on my magazine but anyway she she likes the she likes the voice of the martyrs especially so whatever what can I tell you so anyway but I, when I was looking through it remember Dan Bauman the guy whose mother said, "Do God don't let him out of prison until he's back in here again." So uh, it, it's just kind of interesting some of the things you know as you come to grow and know people. They have a way of helping you keep up with what they're doing now. So we'll uh, talk a little bit uh, about uh, about him a little bit on here. Um, he's always got his testimony on the Voice of the Martyr radio broadcast. Well, let me read what he has to say because it's very short. In 1997, Dan Bauman traveled to Iran to share the good news of Jesus Christ. His evangelistic work resulted in his arrest and conviction on false charges, followed by a death sentence. During his time in prison, God transformed Dan's heart toward his persecutor, and after nine weeks in prison, he was miraculously released. Here's an edited excerpt of his interview with Voice of Martyr radio host Todd Nettleton. In prison the same man beat me every day. On the first day I felt God speak to my heart saying, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. I remember thinking, no, not now, thank you. The reality of injustice was there and I thought I should call the embassy. My rights were being violated. Again, I felt God's voice saying, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. When I was complaining to God about how I can't do that, he challenged me again. Dan asked me what I think of him. I stopped and I said, okay, God, I don't understand, but what do you think of this man? 
After that moment the love of God filled my heart. I began to realize that God did love this man. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. Even though I was being beaten and was so angry and upset. This revelation that God did love him filled my heart. I remember looking up to God and saying God change my heart. Make me more like you because I'm not there. In the coming weeks he did change my heart. I was still beaten but my heart was filled with God's love for this man. Amen. So you can love. Amen. In spite of what people do you can forgive and you can love. So we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in Iran with the Christians and how many Muslims are being converted to Christ. So um, let me see. Amen. Uh, Okay. Islam's failure in Iran. Islamic extremists are gaining power in many nations today by persuading Muslims that they and their country would prosper by submitting to an Islamic government. They claim that Islamic theocracies in which a Muslim religious leader reigns supreme and the Quran is the highest law produce blessed and, and successful societies. Their argument however has been disproven in Iran, a nation of more than 80 million that has relinquished control of every aspect of, a, of society to Islam. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the beginning of Iran's Islamic revolution, a violent one-year coup that created the modern world's only true Islamic theocracy. The new theocratic government began its rule with a tremendous advantage, as the Persians are a highly educated and generous people with a long history of achievement in business and the arts. But sadly, Islam has brought them only shame and loss. Iranians today have overwhelmingly rejected Islamic rule and the religion itself. They have awakened to the fact that Islam was violently forced on the region of modern day Iran in the 7th century during the Islamic conquest of Persia and they have grown weary of its broken promises. For years I heard story after story of this widespread rejection from the leaders of Iran's thriving underground house church networks composed almost entirely of Muslim converts to Christ and I have been blessed with the opportunity to confirm the reports first reports firsthand while traveling throughout the country I spoke with Iranian Muslims including Muslim religious leaders who lamented the state of their religion in Iran our mosques are empty they told me I will never forget talking privately with an imam in one of Iran's most prominent cities who told me that he was encouraged by the growth of Islam in Europe and America but distressed by its weakness in his own country. Islamic law does not and cannot bring success. Any nation that devalues and oppresses the female half of its population as Islam does through Muhammad's teaching in the Quran and Hadith will not prosper. However Islamic rule has influenced a much greater loss on Iran than economic depression, high rates of drug addiction and other temporal societal ills. Islam's prophet Muhammad and his scriptures the Quran deny that Christ came to us as Emmanuel God with us. Islam ultimately fails its people by promoting the most consequential error imaginable teaching that we are not saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
I love Muslims. I have lived among them in a nation where they fiercely hold more than 99% majority and I have worked in nearly every nation in the world that enforces Islamic law on its people. Although Muslim extremists attack and oppress my Christian brothers and sisters, the love of Christ in my heart compels me to bring them God's truth at any cost. And I and other members of today's Christian missionary community are willing to die if necessary to lovingly tell every Muslim that they are in bondage to Islam's errors and that they can be set free only with the truth of Christ. We have witnessed an astonishing revival in Iran as more than 300,000 Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years. Thank God that his truth shines brightly in Iran through the bold and faithful witness of former Muslims, now our brothers and sisters in Christ, such as Soro and Ali on page 4, who willingly suffered imprisonment for Christ's sake. Islam has failed the precious Iranian people, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will never fail. Amen. So we're going to talk about what's going on. In Iran. Amen. Knowing that a return to Iran would soon come at great risk, Soro and Ali faithfully followed the Spirit's call to share the gospel with those who might otherwise never hear it in one of the world's most restricted countries. Soro drew the curtains against the sun in preparation for the evening gathering. The believers arrived a few at a time knocking quietly on the door before entering the room and slipping off their shoes. Some of the women removed their headscarves before taking a seat on the intricately patterned blue rug and at the appointed hour Soro locked the door and placed rolled up towels at the threshold to block sound. The door would remain locked for the next uh, hour and a half no matter who knocked. At the click of the deadbolt those with Bibles brought them out in the open. The group prayed, read scripture, listened to teaching, celebrated communion and sang worship songs with muted voices. All the while other group members stood watch near the windows. As the meeting concluded the group members left as they came staggering their departures to avoid drawing attention. After their last guest left Soro locked the door and she and her husband Ali exhaled with relief. Another successful gathering with no police raid. Soro and Ali returned to Iran in 2002 after living abroad for several years. More than 20 years had passed since the Islamic revolution and they knew the country was in desperate need of mature believers to disciple Christians in the closed nation but they were also keenly aware of how dangerous it was. The couple had counted the cost before returning to Iran especially as each of their children was born. It's an interesting thing trusting God with your family, Soro said. For us it, it, it was just so clear. The joy and the privilege of being able to go overshadowed the fact that something could happen. Although Soro and Ali wrestled with what it would cost their family, they concluded that God's call was not only to them as individuals. If we are one... <clears throat> Soros said he called our kids he called our family and the Lord knew what he was was doing with our kids. Soros asked friends to pray that their family would not be paralyzed by fear. The tension was always present she said and we knew nothing could happen we knew anything could happen at any time. 
They began their ministry by moving in with Ali's family and gently witnessing to his sister and cousins, all of whom came to faith in Christ. Eventually, many other family members also became believers. They knew it was relatively safe to share the gospel within their family group because Persian culture places a high value on family honor. If one family member becomes a Christian and other members object, Iranians generally prefer to hide the conversion and save face in society rather than report it to the government. Within a few years, their ministry expanded beyond extended family and they began to plant new house churches. Mindful of the risk, they took precautions with digital files and never kept lists of Christians in their group. As new believers grew in maturity, they boldly requested baptism, not only a decisive sign of Christian obedience, but also an open rejection of their former Islamic faith. The secret baptisms occurred early in the morning with just one or two other believers present as witnesses. Before baptizing a new believer, Ali asked standard questions about faith, always ending with one final question, are you willing to give up your life for for Jesus? In Iran, that question held great importance. The first several years of their ministry were characterized by cautiousness and incremental growth. But in 2009, their work reached a turning point. They began hearing of Muslims coming to faith through dreams and visions of Jesus. I felt like Jesus said, I'm not going to wait for people like you to do their job, Sorrel said. It was after that we just grew in boldness. While the fear was still there, they had a new urgency. Another Iranian believer sensed a similar moving of the spirit. The country as a whole was becoming more desperate for truth. And Christians kept felt compelled to share the message of Jesus. Soon Ali began to venture into new neighborhoods and travel farther to meet new Christian converts. But the increased exposure also increased the danger. And on the nights when Ali was out visiting believers, Sorrow prayed continuously for his safe return. It was on one such night in 2009 that Sorrow received an unwelcome visit from the police. Sora was cooking chickpea patties for her two sons, aged five and seven, when the secret police burst through the door of their apartment. Woman, cover yourself, an officer barked. The agents dressed in solid black with surgical masks obscuring their faces walked purposely across the Persian rug in violation of Iranian custom. Mommy, mommy, who is that? asked her frightened boys. What do they want? It's okay, she reassured him. It's the secret police. We knew they were going to come for us sometime. The angels rounded up Sorrel's family. Not angels, agents, sorry, rounded up Sorrel's family members from adjoining apartments and ordered them all to sit on the floor in a U-shape while they ransacked Sorrel and Ali's apartment. In God's providence, the couple had moved their supply of stored Bibles to another believer's home two weeks earlier, so there wasn't much for police to find. The family sat on the floor for more than two hours while the agents repeatedly asked Sorrow where her husband was. She wasn't about to admit that he was at a house church meeting and she prayed that he would not come home while the police were there. 
But just as the agents were heading, leading, were leading Sorrel out to the police van, Ali Ra arrived and was arrested along with his wife. They were bound and blindfolded before being driven to the city's interrogation unit. After separating Sorrel and Ali at the prison, a guard led Sorrel, still blindfolded, into her cell, left the room and slammed the metal door behind him. Sorrel stood quietly until she was sure she was alone, then pulled down her blindfold and let the prison issue shatter the black sheet like garment fall from her shoulders. She was standing in a room about eight feet wide by twenty feet long with a thin carpet on the floor and three wool blankets folded in the corner. Another corner of the room had a tile floor with a squat toilet and shower faucet. It was 11 p.m. and Sorrel had no idea what might happen to her or her family. Would she be interrogated? How long would she be detained? And who was caring for her sons? She woke up the next morning slumped against the wall on top of the blankets. She had felt too vulnerable to stretch out expecting someone to walk in at any moment. Again she wondered what would happen that day. She paced the room. I was trying to pray, Sorrel said, but it was hard to pray. I think because I was still in shock she found it easier to connect with God by singing at first she sang quietly but as her confidence grew she began singing louder and louder you know what she thought if they are listening to me I'm going to sing about God who I know that he is love he is truth he is faithful and he is good the interrogations began later that day. Each time Sorrel was blindfolded, covered in her shatter, and led to the interrogation room. She was accused of collaborating with the American government and ordered never to talk about Jesus with anyone. They even tried to use scripture to persuade her to talk to them and they wanted names of church members. After a while Sorrel said the fear just goes away and boldness comes. While her interrogators intended to crush the church in Iran she knew from history, church history that it could not happen. Sure they can, can bring fear and scatter people but eventually the people grow bold and they are not afraid anymore. As the days passed Sorrel thought constantly of her children. I knew it was a privilege to be there with the Lord so that was sweet but I also wanted to be with them. After almost two weeks in prison a guard walked into Sorrel's cell and announced she was being released. He led her down a long corridor and through a large door and suddenly she was standing alone on the sidewalk in the bright sunshine wondering about her husband. Sorrel was overjoyed to be back home with her family but she was still reeling from her imprisonment. She refused to leave her boy sleeping between their beds each night and none of them knew when or if Ali would come home. She had recognized the presence of evil in her interrogators but she also came to understand that the entire experience was ordained by God. He was allowing us his children to suffer because he wanted us to carry his presence into their presence she said. He loved them so much the judges the interrogators the guards that he allowed us to go through a really really hard time to carry his presence into their presence so they could come in touch with him.
Finally, after more than a month of waiting, Sorrel got the call she had been hoping for. Ali was coming home. Although Sorrel and Ali were out on bail, they faced the possibility of re-imprisonment at the conclusion of their trial. They had been charged with disrupting national security, a common charge against anyone who organizes Christian gatherings, and apostasy uh, from Islam. Sorrel and Ali lived in constant fear, enduring continuous surveillance. Watchers positioned outside their home also followed Sorrel when she left to buy groceries. Many Iranian Christians chose to leave the country after facing imprisonment, surveillance, social pressure, limited economic opportunities, and the threat of a longer prison sentence. But Sorrel and Ali felt the Lord was telling them to stay. We knew we had to help the church learn how to walk through persecution, Sorrel said. If we just fled, anybody after us would follow our example. The fear gradually subsided after about four months and Ali again began to gather people for teaching and worship. Although they were still closely watched, people were coming to faith. Sorrel said it was by God's grace that they were not discovered. Despite the stress, she took joy in watching young Iranian believers grow strong in faith and even share it with others. For the next two years, Soro and Ali continued to invite in each new believer, teaching them God's word and preparing them to stand firm under persecution. Meanwhile, every two months they were required to attend court hearings, one in the Islamic Revolutionary Court for disrupting national security and one in the lower court for apostasy from Islam. The trials dragged on, exhausting the entire family. For each hearing, the couple had to leave their children, still sensitive to their parents' absence due to imprisonment, with relatives and travel to the court where Soro was required to wear a full black covering. They then passed through court security only to wait for hours in a crowded courthouse for a judge who allowed them to speak for less than two minutes at a time. Sorrow was disappointed that she had never been able to testify about Jesus during the court hearing, so she asked the Lord for that chance. One day she arrived at court alone and the normally crowded halls were empty. She began to tremble as she sensed the Holy Spirit saying, this is the day. And to her great joy the judge agreed to let her speak. Sorrow began by explaining creation and fall of men. Man then moved through the Old Testament stories showing how God used each event to point towards something yet to come. She spoke for 45 minutes finishing by ascribing Jesus as the sacrificial lamb of God. That was God's provision for our sins she told the judge. Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. People came and went from the courtroom as Sorrow spoke. When the judge's secretary came in, he told her to sit and listen. Then a guard and a, with a prisoner entered the room and stayed. Others arrived with paperwork for the judge, but he merely signed the papers and motioned for Sorrow to continue her speech. When she had finished, the judge said, You know, we Muslims can't be perfect all the time. I know, Sorrow replied, neither can I. That is why we need a savior, a sacrifice for our sins. Sorrow ended the conversation by praying for the judge and left the courtroom with a lighter spirit, even though she could not know how their case would be resolved. It felt so good to pray in Jesus' name for this man, she said.
After working with Iranian believers for several more months, Soro and Ali decided it was time to leave the country and continue their work with Iranian Christians elsewhere. Today they live in a nearby country where they train leaders to plant new churches throughout Iran. Soro said Iranian believers have become very bold, fearlessly meeting and reaching out to their Muslim neighbors. We helped them catch a vision about reproducing, she said. And what it means to listen to God and be on the alert for the people he has prepared. While Sorrel says she does not miss living under the pressure they faced inside Iran, she does miss the complete dependence on the Holy Spirit and sensitivity to his leading that it required. In safer countries such as the U.S. and the country where Sorrel and Ali now live, believers do not have to be careful when they share the gospel because there's little risk. We respond more to the beeps on our phone, I find, than to the Holy Spirit, Sorrel said. She said it's important during our busy schedules to consider each day what God wants us to do and with whom he wants us to speak. Are our ears tuned to the Holy Spirit's leading, she asked. You really have to be close to him. You really have to listen and can't go on with your plans. Sorrel and Ali's boys, now teenagers, have not expressed much about the experience of their parents in prison and imprisonment but Sorrel knows God is at work in them I am waiting for the time Sorrel say when they begin to see the richness that came out of that and make those and make those connections of wow God let me go through that and he has a purpose for me not just for my parents Sorrel's prayer for her family is that God will give them peace and unity as they serve him in situations that are not always stable her prayer for the church in Iran is that God will pour out his grace on them amid amid economic and social pressures so they can continue to thrive and creatively reach all segments of society. The call Soro and Ali received from God more than 15 years ago was difficult for their family but they followed the Spirit's leading into what appeared to be a dark valley only to find instead the beauty of many Iranians coming to know Christ and an Iranian church emboldened by his spirit. Amen. Praise God. Amen. This one's another young Iranian man, Reza. He says, prison fix my theology. Amen. <laughs> when 36-year-old Reza uh, placed his faith in Christ 12 years ago, after comparing the Jesus of the Bible with the Jesus he had read about in the Quran, he began to live out his new faith with abandon. You know, a lot of Muslims will tell you, I know more about Jesus than you do. You know, and so I think sometimes we need to just speak up and say, but do you know him as your savior? You can know about him, but you, he can live inside of you, you can know him personally. So many times, you know, Christians will back down and say, well, maybe he does. Or so that's not the issue. Issue is getting him inside you. Amen. Amen. He worked with other Christians to get God's word into the hands of Muslims throughout Iran, which decades earlier had adopted Shiite Islam as its official state religion. And he and a friend even duplicated and distributed thousands of CDs and DVDs containing the gospel message. Reza wanted to lead lead people to Jesus and help build God's kingdom, but his motives became increasingly confused. He grew more concerned with the number of people he was reaching than the people themselves. 
Then one day he was arrested and imprisoned for his evangelism. When I look at that now I am grateful to the Lord for going through that because it really built my Christian character Reza said. I knew there were so many things in my Christian theology that needed to be fixed. I think God used that that point to fix that. One summer day in 2011 Reza and a Christian friend rode a motorcycle through a cluster of unreached villages in northwestern Iran distributing New Testaments to anyone willing to accept them. Suddenly members of Iran's secret police began chasing them in an unmarked car. As Reza's friend sped up to about 60 miles per hour he hit a rock launching the two evangelists into the air. The plainclothes officers ran toward the two battered and bloodied men lying on the ground but they weren't coming to help. Two officers stood Reza up only to kick his broken left foot and watch him fall again. Their brutality sent a clear message. No more evangelism. Reza and his friend were taken to an interrogation center where they were accused of being spies for the United States, the United Kingdom and Israel. One night in prison turned into many nights with no end in sight. Sore, hungry, and increasingly concerned about the occasional tortured moans he heard from nearby cells, Reza's mind began to race. What would happen next? What answers could he give that would not put other believers' lives in danger? All he could do was pray. Slowly, he felt God change his heart. During his time of imprisonment, Reza realized that he had not fully placed his hope in Christ. He began to see how often he had missed the target. That was the biggest experience I got from that, Reza said. As Christians, we can build things without having our hope in heaven. We sometimes just want to see results in this world. Usually that destroys us and the people around us. He also learned how to obey the frequently repeated biblical command to not be afraid. There is a great fear when you go through this. And the Lord shows you if you are with me you must not have any fear. This is my experience. I love that. I am grateful for that experience. The third lesson he learned is what real love is. While in prison he asked himself whether he loved people outside the church just as he loved his brothers and sisters in Christ. Then he asked himself if he truly loved those who were seeking to tear him down by putting him in prison. Jesus speaks about loving others he said. I preach that to people but when you go through this experience you have to practice that. It becomes real for you and then you can understand. Eventually, after 40 days in prison, Reza's father posted bail and he was temporarily released. As he left his cell, he took with him the lessons God had taught him along with a dream. Two weeks after Reza's release from on bail, his friends arranged to help him escape Turkey. Figuring he had 24 hours for being, before being rearrested, he fled toward the border on his still fragile left foot. When he arrived at the section of the Iranian-Armenian, Iran-Armenia border, he needed to cross to reach Turkey. It was closed. 
while thinking about what to do next, Reza remembered a dream from his time in prison in which God called him to build a ministry for Iranians as close to Iran as possible. Realizing the dream could have actually come from God, he decided to travel toward the Central Asian country in his dream. After moving to a new country, Iranian authorities continued to intimidate Reza, once sending him a note that said, We will kill you. You are not very far from us. This is a small country and not a strong country. We can do anything there, you know. Though he also receives death threats from local Muslim community, Reza now enjoys a level of freedom that he had never experienced as a Christian in Iran. He has even managed to start a church in the heart of Muslim country. Reza, now married and the father of a young daughter, has gained citizenship in his new country. Although he has never returned to Iran, he continues to support a network of churches there and works to spread the gospel inside the country. The best thing I can give to my nation is the salvation of Jesus Christ, he said. That is the only thing that can set a nation free. In addition, he has started a training center for Iranian house church leaders and a rehabilitation center for Iranian drug addicts in his new country. He has also helped start discipleship outreach programs in neighboring countries of Iran. Voice of the Martyrs supports this work. Reza is constantly amazed by God's providence. By basing his ministry in a nearby country, as suggested in his dream, Reza can easily send missionaries into Iran. He said, he said there continues to be a deep hunger for the gospel in Iran, something he is not seeing where he lives now. His biggest prayer is that the new believers will have opportunities to grow deeper in their faith. The Iranian church is growing, but we have less discipleship, he said. We need to pray that we can make more disciples out of these new believers coming to faith. He added that there are many pastors both inside and outside Iran who are willing to sacrifice their lives for the sake of the gospel. They are willing to do whatever whatever for God's calling, he said. Sharing the gospel in Iran is incredibly risky. Christians who share Jesus are aware the government uses a network of spies to prevent evangelism. They also know Muslim family members, friends and neighbors could report them to authorities at any time. However, they also understand the scriptures tell us to expect persecution. Reza continues persecution, recognizes persecution as part of God's plan and he expects to continue facing opposition as he helps mobilize evangelists in Iran but after learning in prison to place his hope fully in Jesus to live without fear and to truly love Muslims he is confident that he can endure whatever persecution comes his way amen so God used a prison experience to teach him something amen it's not about the numbers it's about loving people amen about loving God and loving people so amen let me see we got some short ones here I'm going to read a report from oh this is where are we now Hmm. Uh, 
let me see past issues of voice of the martyr newsletter have featured stories about susan ithungu a ugandan girl whose father locked her in a small space for months after she became a christian resulting in severe health problems and some of the photos we shared a smiling christian woman drita bira is seen at susan's side a voice of the martyr worker recently met with drita and learned more about why she chose to care for Susan after hearing about her ordeal when Drada heard about Susan from her brother she felt in her heart that she should go to the hospital and care for her leaving her own four children at home Drada traveled to the hospital to offer whatever she could even though she had little to give financially Drada stayed by Susan's side during many weeks of recovery washing her wounds and keeping her company Susan was in such pain that she could not even be carried to the restroom it was difficult it was a difficult few weeks a christian woman who worked at the hospital noticed what was happening and told her church about susan and Drada. christians then began visiting the women bringing donations of food and sometimes even contributing funds to help pay susan's hospital bills people could not believe that Drada would do such a thing for some someone she had not even known after learning of susan's condition voice of martyr stepped in to provide financial help drada stayed on as susan's caregiver and a voice of the martyr worker continued to visit periodically today susan is doing well and attending school occasionally sharing her testimony at church events to raise awareness about persecution drada's older children have graduated from school while her two younger children continue their studies Drada's willingness to take Susan in with no benefit to herself is a great representation of how Christ willingly brought all of us in when we were broken and unwanted. Amen? Amen. Okay, in Nigeria. until recently islamic boko haram terrorists were the most feared opponents of christians in northern nigeria but as boko haram has weakened and lost territory christians have begun to face a new threat armed muslim fulani tribesmen more than 200 christians have been killed and thousands displaced in plateau state after a series of fulani attacks this summer the attacks have presented a new challenge for voice of the martyr the rise of attacks by fulani herdsmen means there's no safe zone from which to base our operations or coordinate our efforts and distribute aid a voice of martyr regional director for africa said these more recent attacks happen just miles from our office and there's no safe place where we can relocate victims of persecution who are rebuilding their lives many of those affected by the recent attacks were victims of previous boko haram attacks in the north who have fled farther south in hope of finding safety voice of the martyr workers are currently visiting those who remain hospitalized making arrangements for some who were displaced and providing comfort to several voice of the martyr supported widows who were affected by the attacks the fulani nationality movement claim responsibility for the attacks and threaten further attacks as they fight for what they consider their rightful territory we shall take and possess every inch of this land they warned in a food statement our men are waiting we are eager to fight we are boiling with zeal to actualize our dream yeah you know what i'm saying it's like 
pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, you know, see who can believe it, you know. So, you know, all we need to do is pray. God will help these people to overtake these threats because that's the devil. He loves, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you resist him, amen, he will flee. In Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia proudly proclaims its status as the birthplace of Islam and the home of its holiest shrines. The government protects this status by enforcing strict dress codes, banning non-Muslims from holy cities, and forbidding conversion to other religions. But Saudis are still hearing the gospel and coming to know Jesus Christ through the careful witness of Christians both inside and outside the country. Al-Fadi, a devout Muslim, devout Muslim, had been taught that Christianity was corrupt and immoral. He then met some Christians who spent time with him and shared their lives with him. Through their examples and work of the Holy Spirit, he became a Christian despite the risk to his own life. He had known of a young Saudi woman who was killed by her parents and brother after placing her faith in Christ. Al-Fadi too has, placed persecu- has faced persecution for bringing the shame of Christianity to his family. My brother went after me and continues to seek finding me. Al-Fadi, my family still does not like to talk to uh, to me. I am nobody in their life. Amen. But you're somebody to Christ. Amen. Okay, so then we have our last one is Sri Lanka. Ministers on motorbikes. Ministers in a war-ravaged region of Sri Lanka recently received a gift of motorbikes that enable them to travel more easily and quickly to village areas where they serve local believers and share the gospel with others. Civil war between Tamil separatists and government forces dragged on in northern Sri Lanka from 1983 to 2009. But many Christian workers who served in the region prior to the war chose to remain and continue of their work during and after the war. These bold evangelists currently minister to the Hindu majority, many of whom suffer from war-induced post-traumatic stress, as well as to widows and orphans. They travel long distances to share the gospel in remote villages, and public transportation in the region is limited. Though the Tamil uh, Hindus are generally tolerant Christians, uh, Tolerant of Christianity, persecution is increasing in the gov- as the government resettles Muslims and Buddhists in the area in an attempt to reduce the influence of the separatists. The gift of 10 motorbikes enables the Christian workers to travel to more remote locations and to leave the areas quickly when threatened. The motorbikes also help them avoid potential confrontations on public transportation. In Sri Lanka, we do not see the level of persecution persecution that is common in India, Bangladesh, or Nepal, said Voice of the Martyr Regional Director for South Asia. But the need for the gospel in this area cannot be overstated. It is inspiring to see brothers and sisters who serve with joy in the midst of hardship. Amen. So that's our Voice of the Martyr news. Shannon, do you happen to have the prayer requests off their website? I forgot to send it to you and ask for it but I'll use that if I can get it you don't have to print it out if you can get it on your tablet or something I can read off of there that would be okay too so that's the Muslim most most of the persecution is coming from Muslim areas 
and against and the Islamists, uh, you know, refusing to back down when they see Christians who are trying to serve God. To me it's interesting they always are uh, accused of being spies for the United States. Always areas that are known as Christian nations or known to be favorable to Christianity. Uh, you know, they can, the government comes after people. Uh, we've already said that, you know, if it happened there, it can happen anywhere. And, uh, we should never, we should always be vigilant of our rights in this nation to make sure that that line is not crossed that uh, throws us under the bus and, and persecutes us uh, for our faith in Christ. So we we always guard against that. We pray for protection of believers everywhere, protection, amen, uh, for, for people who really love Christ, amen, amen. Do they give us countries? You don't have nothing bigger for me? You have your tablet? Oh, okay. All right. Yes, this is Laos. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right. Okie doke. Okay. So, praise God. So, we're going to pray. You guys want to get in the spirit. And You know, I was thinking about uh, um, our friend Henry Groover and his teachings on forgiveness and asking God to forgive people. Uh, you know, and always making that a priority because uh, what he said, God explained to him, he said, if you if you forgive someone, even when they're not repentant, God can temporarily lift the burden of sin from their soul so that they can hear the gospel. And they can hear God's voice and they can respond. You know, many times when people hear God, they harden their hearts so that they don't hear anymore. They just shut down. But I think if we'll practice what, what he says in forgiving, I know when we come to God, we always ask him to forgive our sins, right? Everybody in here ought to say amen. Let's cut it out now and don't don't give me none of this false doctrine that's floating around here. Let's be respectful of God, respectful of the blood. You know, if you really respect the blood of Jesus and you consider Calvary a finished work, you will honor that work by asking God to forgive you. Amen. Because there are sins we have in thought and deed that we don't even recognize. It's not what you can think of that you did. Let's grow up here, okay? It's acknowledging what he did above your behavior. Amen. It's not about what you do or don't do. You know, let's quit this argument. I didn't do anything and it wasn't so wrong and all that. Let's grow up. It's been taken care of if you just step into that place of acknowledgement of what Christ has done. And I see this man capable and he's doing miracles in God based on simple forgiveness. So I think that's something that we can begin to employ. We can employ it uh, con- uh, continually as a habit and on purpose to make sure we give people who are away from God every opportunity to draw near. Amen. That's what you want. You want successful evangelism. You want people to be able to draw near to God. That might help some of us with family members who are still out there. You got me? Instead of being mad at them because what they don't do, 
or saying you believe they're saved anyway when there's no evidence of it let's get a little deeper in there God please forgive my brother my cousin my sister my husband because they don't know what they're doing Lord and ask him to release them from the burden of guilt and sin long enough to hear God's voice and hear the gospel amen well father we thank you for the ability to come to your throne and we acknowledge your precious blood Jesus as the only payment for our sin we ask you to forgive our sins we ask you to forgive these people that we are praying for the people in Iran the governments who are persecuting your people your Christians and forbidding them to worship you forbidding them to come to you forbidding them to serve you we ask you to forgive them Lord lift that burden off of them send laborers to to preach the gospel to them and they will hear it father salvation has come to the heathen and they will hear it so we thank you father for blessing them we thank you lord for helping them thank you lord for protection against persecution we thank you lord we submit to you resist the devil and he must flee i command you devil to flee from us seven ways vengeance belongs to you O god we resist retaliation from our accusers we are serving you so why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing you who sit in the heavens are laughing behold their threatenings and stretch forth your hand to heal O God do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus I declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish we say let them fall by their own counsels Lord you will judge the people judge us O Lord according to our integrity that's in us let the mischief of those who persecute us return upon their own heads keep up the apple of your eye and hide us under the shadow of your wings thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of their mouth stop the pointing of the finger against your servant stop those who uh, Lord we know that is nothing for you to help oh Lord help us oh Lord our God oh save us according to our integrity stop those who point the finger against us without a cause and who hate us it's time for you to work they have made void your law Lord we know it's nothing for you to help help us oh Lord our God save us according to your mercy let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies for the Lord is with us as a mighty terrible one and therefore for our persecutors shall stumble they shall not prevail they shall be greatly ashamed they shall not prosper their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten and we know Lord that we, if we live godly for you we will suffer persecution but we will not be stopped the gospel will go forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray for these pastors in Laos father who are facing eviction we also pray for those the widow in nigeria uh we thank you lord we pray for the christian couple in central asia who are facing persecution we pray for yemen for the new believer rejected by his family let him be uh, comforted and healed by you lord we pray in india for radical hindus who assaulted a pastor and a church member we ask you to forgive them father we ask you to help them we pray for sri lanka for the mob that is threatening christians there we
we ask you to forgive them Lord and, and send witnesses to witness to them we pray a minimar for the crackdown on Christians in ethnic wild region we thank you Lord for safety and protection we pray for China for the house arrest to stop there in the name of Jesus we pray for Nigeria for Boko Haram uh, 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 people who attacked the villages to be apprehended and stopped we pray for Eritrea for Asian uh, for the Christians the people who have persecuted the Christians after the uh, pastor's visit we thank you we pray for India uh, for families there who have lost their homes in a fire we pray for Mexico for the Christians who are forced from their homes that they would find homes we thank you and we pray for Bangladesh for the Christian convert who has been released from prison we thank you Lord for uh, to release these Christians who are under attack by these mobs we thank you Father uh, to support and secure these pastors who are being targeted in Nigeria by the Fulani tribes we thank you Father we bless you we praise you we worship you Lord we thank you Jesus we worship you and we praise your holy name we pray for Uganda to find a home for that family that was evicted from their home and we thank you Lord we pray again for India for pastors accused Used in a conversion racket in Jesus name thank you Lord to rescue your people we thank you Lord in Syria that uh, this to cause this pastor who has found Christ to grow in Christ thank you Father we bless you and we praise you we worship you Lord we magnify you and we praise your holy name we pray for this former imam in Uganda that he has come to Christianity that he would grow in Christ we thank you Lord for causing these persecuted people to be able to have freedom to worship you and to serve you and that they would rescue other believers that they would continue to witness for you Father give them both that they would stand boldly against their accusers they would stand boldly against those who persecute them they would stand boldly and confidently in your anointing father increase their power lord increase their power and give them boldness and we thank you father and we bless you and we praise you lord we praise your holy name jesus we magnify you we lift you up lord you are worthy to be praised you're worthy to be glorified you're worthy to be magnified thank you lord you're a high and lifted up you are high and lifted up you are high and lifted up and we thank you father we bless you and we praise you we thank you lord for the pastor who was released from prison this week we thank you lord that we have a president who will stand up against these governments and will negotiate to have your people set free I thank you, Lord, that this man's prayer has been answered. We thank you also, Father, to answer the prayers of many others who are languishing in prison, waiting for release, Father. You hear the sigh of the prisoner, Father. You are attentive to his cry. 
You are attentive to his need. We ask you, Father, to meet every single need of every single wrongfully imprisoned person who is claiming your name, Father. And also those who are wrongly imprisoned that don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you. We pray for their speedy release. We pray for our government to move in rightful prison reform. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing to make life right for us again. And we bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen and amen and amen again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful to praise God. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up. If you'll put some music on for me so we won't have dry prayer. That's what I say. No dry prayer here. We want, we want bathed prayer. Amen.